for today. We thank you for this moment with our heads bowed and our eyes closed all across this place. God, before we go any further, Lord, have your way. Lord, I believe that's a prayer that some of us need to pray today. Lord, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. In my heart, in my mind, have your way. In my marriage, have your way. In my career, my finances, have your way. Lord, let your will be done. Let your will be done. Not mine, God. Let your will be done. Father God, I just thank you for today. I thank you because you're a divine God. You do divine things. You are a great God. You do great things. You're an amazing God, and you do amazing things. If God is good, why don't you just tell him today? If God is good, I said, why don't you tell him today? If he's been good to you, if you're still here, despite what the devil tried to sideline you, tried to distract you from your mission, tried to derail you, but you're still here. Look at your neighbor and say, he did his best, but I'm still here. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated if you, if you can in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. The Word of God reads, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves. Somebody say, it wasn't me. Mm -hmm. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Remember last week, I, I went on a little rant and said that it's, it's only through the blood of Jesus that we get into heaven. Through, through God's only son, Jesus Christ. God didn't have two sons or three sons or some daughters. He had one son, and his name was Jesus Christ. And it's through the blood of the Lamb that we have access to God. And here in Ephesians 2, 8, it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So that when we get to heaven, we can say, Well, God, I did this and I did that, so therefore... I get to get in. You know, when we're talking about grace, we're talking about this scripture. It reminds me of a story of an of a old man that passes away, and he, he goes to heaven. And as he comes up to the gates, pearly gates of heaven, you know, Peter's there. The Bible says that Peter will be there. Peter is there to greet him. And Peter says, before you come in, we've got to evaluate the points that you've accumulated in your life. The man says, well, wait a second, points? Peter says, that's right. It takes 100 points to get into heaven. He says, so you're going to tell me the good things that you did. Based on those things, I'll assign a point value to them. When you get to 100, you get to get into heaven. The guy starts saying, he says, all right, this isn't too bad. I've, I've been pretty good my whole life. I think 100 points is doable. So he says, all right, leads off with the big one, he says, and thinking to himself, all right, well, Peter, I've been married to the, I was married to the same woman for 60 years. That's, that's got to count for something. Peter says, it does. That counts for two points. Two points, 60 years. Surely that can't be right, but two points, all right. He starts thinking, i got to get some more points here. Well, you know what, Peter, I, I never cheated on her, not once. Not even in my heart or my mind did I cheat on my wife. Surely that's worth something. Peter says, that's good, that's good. You get a point for that. And the man starts thinking to himself, he gets a little frantic because he was leading off with the best, biggest and the best, and 
He's doing the math real quick. Says two points and one point. That's three points. I've got a long way to go. He starts thinking to himself. He says, "All right, Peter." He says, "This is a good one. This is going to give me. This is give me a lot of points." I started a soup kitchen in my in my town. It, it was my vision. It was my idea. I pulled together the investors and the people, and, and uh, it, it's still feeding hundreds of people today and, and, and providing hot meals and, 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 and a safe place. And what, is that, what does that get me? How many points does that give me? And Peter says, you know what, that's good. I'll give you four points for that one. And the man is upset. He's beside himself. He says, I don't understand it. I've, I've, I've done these good things. Surely, Surely those count for more points. And he says to Peter, I guess the only thing that's going to get me into heaven at this point is the grace of God. And Peter says, come on in. Amen. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that gets us into heaven. Not point system. Aren't we glad that God doesn't go by point systems? Yeah, yeah. You, if you aren't happy now, you will be later when you stand before the Lord. I love this scripture because Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 levels the playing field. It levels the playing field. You know what it says to me? It says to me that the preacher or the man that has a seminary degree, a degree in theology, and the blue-collar worker who works on assembly line can sit in the same chair, worship the same God. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 levels the playing field for everyone. What God does in this scripture is he declares to us, I'm glad that you're good. I'm glad that you serve, and I'm glad that you tithe. But at the end of the day, you don't get to boast about anything that you have done. In fact, the Bible tells us that when we come before the Lord and we receive a crown, we're going to actually lay those crowns right back down at the feet of Jesus. Paul goes on to write and tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Think about that for a moment. You know, when you feel good about yourself, when you feel like you're on your A game with God, whew, I feel the presence of the Lord. Bless God. Oh, bless God. I feel church. I love church. I love people. I love God. You know, you have those, you have good days when you wake up on the good side of the bed, the right side of the bed. Or does anybody not have those days anymore? Seems like most people in our culture have, they wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Maybe you're married to someone like that. Maybe you need to push them out the other side of the bed. Don't even give them a chance to get out their side of the bed. Just roll them right over and see, did you get on the good side today? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and my heart levels the playing field. It lets me know that when I stand before God, that it won't be because I was a preacher that got me to the pearly gates. It won't be because I was raised in a pastor's home. It won't be because I was married to an amazing, beautiful, hot, fantastic wife. It won't be because I have amazing children, amazing parents, amazing friends, amazing congregation. It won't be because I tithe, I drove a cool truck. It won't be because I volunteered somewhere. None of those things grant me access to the presence of God. And he says there, will, there, there, there might be some people that will try to boast about how good they were, how great they were. Man, I'm a good person, God. You know, I've never been to a funeral where somebody was a bad person. I haven't. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't people that are sitting in the audience that came to say, wait a second, preacher, you're talking about the wrong guy. That's not the guy I knew. But at a funeral, everybody's good. At a funeral, everybody is supposedly in heaven. I'm no one's judge. I'm not connecting any dots that don't need to be connected. I'm just telling you the simple fact 
of all the funerals that I've ever been to or that I've ever officiated over, everybody's good. But can I tell you, church, that you and I are not the judge. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, in case you didn't know, you're not God. Yeah. So whether we determine someone to be good or holy or righteous, congratulations, is not up to you. You don't get to pick and choose who makes it into heaven. Somebody should give God a praise for that one alone. Because we all have enemies. We all have a target on our back. We got somebody somewhere close to us that doesn't like us just enough that if they were God, you wouldn't get in. And he's saying, I don't care how good you were. I don't care what kind of works you did. Those things are good. Absolutely, they're righteous. That's fine. You're supposed to do that. Those are things that were, all those things are good, but it is the grace of God that has saved us. I thank God for his grace. Can you imagine where you would be right now if it wasn't for the grace of God? Maybe you don't want to think where you would be right now if it wasn't for the grace of God. Where would we be? Would we be in a ditch somewhere? Would we still be nightclubbing somewhere? Would we still be balling and thugging and doing drugging? Whatever we were doing, what would we be doing if it wasn't for the grace of God? Now you're saying, Pastor Matt, I, I'm too old to be balling and thugging and drugging, but, but let me put it in terms that everybody can understand. Whether we were raised in church or you were raised in the hood or whatever side of the tracks that you come from, where would you be for the, without the grace of God? Where would we be? Where would we be? Where would you be? Think about that for a moment. Take a pause for the cause to think about where you would be if it wasn't for the grace of God. If God did not have enough grace to send his son and put on flesh, do you understand what happened, Crossroads family, that God himself put on flesh in the form of his son, came into this world and died on a real cross, a real death, and said, I'm going to give my life for you. That's the grace of God. The grace of God is Jesus taking our debt, something that we can never pay. Taking our debt upon himself. The grace of God is an amazing thing. Without it, we're all lost. Without the grace of God, we are all lost. Without the grace of God, that we have no hope. Without God's grace that forgives us and that saves us. And I love the grace of God. I can't imagine where my life would be if it wasn't for the grace of God. God's grace is an amazing thing. Somebody say it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. That it sounds so amazing. Say it's an amazing thing. There we go. That was good. Hopefully the podcast picked that up. The grace of God is an amazing thing. I love the grace of God. Where would we be without God's grace and his mercy? Well, we would be left to our own vices. We would be left to our own temptations. We would always fail and we would never win if it wasn't for the grace of God. But with God's grace, there's another side to the coin that I want to talk about today. It's not grace so much that I want to paint a picture because I feel in my heart, that for the most part, we as a church as a whole identify with the concept of grace. But I would be remiss as a pastor in my church if I didn't teach the whole truth. The whole truth with the message of grace, the flip side of that coin is a message of holiness. See, there are many people today talking about grace. So much that 
they missed the other side of grace and what grace really was. As you saw in our, our intro video, grace is not this license to sin or to do what we want. Let me say it this way. If you have your Bible app, it's in, it's in the notes there in the Bible app, and it'll be on the screen as well. But, but grace is not this license to sin. Grace is not so that we can feel better about ourselves for the things that we've done. That's not grace. That's not grace. Grace isn't this idea that I get to come to Jesus, surrender my life, and go live the way I want to live. We forget that when I give my life to Jesus, I, I surrendered. I gave up that which was mine. What I claimed as mine, as my life, Jesus says, I am not my own, but I've been bought with a price. So when I give my life as a believer to Jesus Christ, I'm surrendering that which I'm holding on to. So how can I in one breath surrender to God my life, but in the same breath try to claim something that is my own? It is grace that I've been saved, but it is holiness that keeps me saved. See, when we come to Jesus Christ, a change should happen. There should be a change. There should be a change. Now, I'm not saying that a change happens overnight. Some of you take longer than others to change. Let's turn to Romans 6, chapter 1, verse 4. I love how it starts out. He says, well then, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? By the way, this is like a rhetorical question. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Somebody should give God a praise for that. Come on. You know what that means? That means that you don't have to be the same person that you were before you came to Jesus Christ. That you get to change that your marriage and your life and everything about you gets to change. That God changes us. This idea that God transforms us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and everything has become new. I love grace, but Crossroads family, can I tell you, God is calling us more than just to, just to grace. He's calling us to live a different life, to be holy before him because he too is a holy God. And he's saying, just as I am as holy, you also should be holy. First Peter chapter 1, verse 15. He says, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Now this is taken from Leviticus 19 too. It says, give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. You must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. 
This is a tough concept to understand, to take to heart, to really breathe in and to digest because in our culture, in our world, we're being fed constantly by too many people that you get to still choose how you want to live. Church, that is a lie straight from the pits of hell. When you come to Jesus Christ, you surrender your will. No, sir, no, ma'am. It is no longer you, but it is the Christ in me that calls me to greater things. Are you with me today, church? See, I surrender my will to him. I don't get to say, oh, I want to do this anymore. No, no, no. I have said, God, you have control over my life, over my marriage, over my finances, over my career. It's no longer what I think is right and just and is good. I'm surrendering all of that. But we have too many Christians who want the best of both worlds, and you're not Hannah Montana. Come on, somebody. You don't get the best of both worlds. No, you get to say, when I come to Jesus Christ, I'm giving that stuff away for something better. That which I thought I could build on myself, I now realize is filthy rags. But when I come to Jesus, I get the better stuff. I don't get the leftovers. Give God a praise in this place today. First Peter 2.9, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show the others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. I want to read that again. That's pretty powerful. Listen, he says, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Think about that. I am God. Somebody say, I am God's possession. Declare it. I am God's possession. Think about that. When you possess something, when you own something, when you've paid for it, you're going to give your life for it. Anybody have a car in here that's paid for? Come on, raise your hands in the air, wave them like you. Awesome. High five somebody that has their other hand up. That's awesome. That's pretty good. Man, you know, when you pay a car off, it's like, it's like the rapture's about to happen or something, isn't it? I mean, you feel like all heaven and earth and angels just start saying, it's a powerful thing, isn't it? When you start paying off stuff and you're getting out of debt, all that debt that's keeping you down, that's slowing you down, you know, you want to tithe more, you want to give more, you want to give away more, but you can't because you're restrained by debt. And you start clearing some of that debt and those car payments, and you're like, wow, whew, this feels good, doesn't it? Because the debt that I owed is off of me. I own it free and clear. It's mine. The title is at my house. I'm going to carry it in my back pocket wherever I go. And if somebody says, is that your truck? I say, yeah, it's my truck. Not the bank owns it, but I own the note on it. That's what God is saying. He's saying there was a debt that was owed on your life. And he says, I paid that debt. You belong to me. Free and clear. So God paid the debt that we can never pay. And he says, you're you're my very own possession. As a result, you can show the others others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. God has a beautiful way in scriptures of bringing things full circle. Full circle. It starts about him. It ends about him. And somewhere in the middle, he will make sure that it's always about him. He just will. He'll find a pocket of people here, a remnant of people there. He did it in the Old Testament. He did it in the New Testament. He's doing it in 2014 today. He'll find people scattered here and there who will say, God, it is more important about what you want to do rather than what I want to do. 
And instead of inviting you in saying, God, come and be a part of what I'm doing, I'm going to say, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. Are you with me today, church? And so, so God will find people in life, in whatever generation, in every circle, people who say, God, it's more important that you do what you want to do rather than I do what I want to do. People who say and identify with the concept that I belong to God, that I've been bought with a price, I am no longer my own, that I owe my life to Jesus Christ, that he paid a debt for me, that he gave his life for me. Listen to me, church. I'm preaching to you, yes, grace is real, and grace is extended to every person on this planet, whether we want to extend it to them or not. That's God's choice to give grace out. But when we submit to grace, he says there is a change that should happen in your life. My message to the believer today in this house is if you've been living for God and you're not getting any closer to the throne, then you need to submit to God again. You need to surrender your life again to Jesus Christ. Amen. You need to say, God, there's something wrong. Something's missing. There's a dot that I'm not connecting in my life. I come clean. The skeletons in my closet search me me out find the darkness in me let your light shine in me god so that i can be holy for you why church here's the full circle because it tells us here that other people may see the lord do you understand that the holiness is not for you it's for him to show people that there is a god still in heaven that is passionately in love with the lost world that is dying and going to hell That's the message of the gospel of grace and of holiness that God says everybody's included. Everybody has a chance. But when the church lives like the world, how will they know that God is real? When the marriage rate, the the divorce rate in the church mirrors that of the world, how will the world know that God can heal a marriage? When you live just like the world, how will they know that there's a God that can transform and change a life? I'm telling you today, church, if we're going to see revival and see God do crazy, amazing things, not just corporately, but in your home, real divine miracles, it must be that we submit to the authority and the, 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 the authority of Jesus Christ and under the submission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the only way that we will see God do those things in our life. I want to close with this. We can stand our feet. See, Jesus didn't die so we could feel better about ourselves. He didn't feel he didn't die so that we could pat ourselves on the back and say we came to church and we served God. These times when we come together in these corporate settings, absolutely, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to know. I know the message is a little tougher today. It's a little harder to digest, but, but Jesus didn't die just so we could feel better about ourselves, so we could, uh, we could look at ourselves in the mirror and, and, and not feel guilty about who we are or what we've done. It's, it's so much more than that. And it, what happens is we cheapen the message of the cross. We cheapen what Jesus did. We, we, we make it less than, than valuable when all we say is, oh, I feel better because Jesus forgives me. It's more than that. It's about living a life that honors God. Every teenager in the house, it's about living a life that honors God. Every mom and dad, it's about living a life that honors God. Every young adult or single person here, it's about living a life 
that honors God. Every grandparent in here, it's about living a life that honors God. Who did I miss in here? Every white person, every black person, every brown person, every yellow person, every red person. Yes, there are yellow and red people too. Listen, you don't remember this song? Black and white, they are person. No, no, you know, red, yellow, black and white. Listen, everybody's about living a life that honors the Lord. I don't know about you, but at the end of the day, when I stand before God, and he doesn't count the points I've made, but he says, you know what, Matt? You honored me. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your reward. It will be because I lived a life that honored God. How do I do that? By submitting to his holiness, submitting to his righteousness, realizing that there has got to be a change in my life, that I've got to change. For some of you, you desperately need to change. You tried to figure it out on your own. You tried to make it work on your own. You've tried to fix your own marriage. You've tried to fix your own career. You've tried to fix your own life, but nothing is working, is it? God, change me. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for what you're doing in this house, and I thank you for your message today. God, help us to change where we need to change. Help us when we struggle with the concept of holiness, this idea that you're calling us to so much more than what we're experiencing. Lord, forgive us if we've cheapened or if we've manipulated the gospel for our own inclusion and we've manipulated the gospel to make us feel better about ourselves. Lord, forgive us, cleanse us. As David prayed in Psalms 51:10. Lord, create in me a pure and clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Take not your holy presence from me. Lord, renew a right presence within us. Cleanse us today, oh God. Forgive us where we need to be forgiven. Strengthen us where we're weak, God. We just thank you, Lord, for your ultimate forgiveness. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you're here today, say, Pastor Matt, if I were to leave this planet today, I'm not ready to meet, I'm not ready to meet the Lord. I want to be ready. I want to know that I'm ready to meet the Lord today. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I were to leave this planet today, that I would see Jesus face to face. And you want me to remember you in prayer. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and you can put it back down. Yes, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Yes, many hands. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much. Everyone repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me. And that you rose from the grave. I confess my sins to you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving your life for me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we give the Lord a praise today. Hallelujah.